Oh, we live? I think we're live. Let's hey, let's do this. Back again for another week in the studio. Flow Grappling, Fistful of Collars podcast. Myself, Howell, Reed, and Chase. And uh, this may be our, um, our last podcast for a little while because, uh, well, it's World's Month. It is today. Here we go. Is the 2nd of May. It's pretty much now until the end of May is just nonstop for us as we count down towards the biggest and the most anticipated jiu-jitsu tournament of the year. That may be my favorite time of the year, man. Everyone just hyped up. You see all the Instagram posts. People are really getting tough, mentally preparing for the, the long road ahead to the world. So it's, it's a good time. If, if you're a jiu-jitsu fan, if you're a jiu-jitsu guy, right? Like, this is the time. This is this is it. This is world's coming up. We've still got a, a couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, the world doesn't get any bigger than the world championships. So... You see everybody on social media buckling down, starting their world's camps, you know, everybody's training hard in the gi and and uh, getting ready for the, like you said, the biggest tournament of uh, of the year where legends are made, uh, where where black belt world titles are won. This is this is what we what we live for. It's one of the things that I like most, actually, is like you said, you know, when you, when you start seeing all those social media posts coming out um, of of all the guys training hard and you, you see like you just get a little taste of the intensity at the, which those guys go. Um, it's, it's, it's for me it's phenomenal because I don't know about you guys but obviously I love following the sport right I love going to the tournaments I, I would hope so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> but you know we we go to a lot of tournaments and I, and I love being there mat side and I love uh, that sensation that you know you get around a big match a highly anticipated final you know that triumph moment when somebody is crowned you know the champion but for me as a practitioner I don't know about you guys maybe you feel the same but I love seeing what happens inside the gym. That for me is 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 equally as interesting. I love to see what the guys go through on the day-to-day basis, the work that they put in on the mat that actually gets them to that point at the tournament. Right? Yeah, you know, it's special, I, right? As a Pan Am champion, I can uh, oh, I can drop that one on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can, uh, you know, I can relate um, with. Uh, no, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I man, absolutely. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, right? And um, I remember, I can remember like the first time I went to like a world camp, right? Mm-hmm. Or like the first time I went to to a big um, a big camp where these guys were were training hard, and and you know, maybe I thought we trained hard at, at back at my gym, and I went to the, this gym. And, and I just like could not believe the level of the, the what these guys were going through, like just killing each other day after day, just like making sure that they are that there is no surprises when uh, that World's Day comes, man. Like there is something different about a, a World's Camp. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I was saying, like the, all the work and preparation that goes into it. That's why we developed a, a whole show around it called Road to Worlds. Um, we're about to go on our third trip around California this time and really dive into some of the best and biggest camps in the sport and how they're getting ready. And really, the, the work starts now. Like, the, oh, yeah. the tournament's just a few weeks away. These guys are in full swing. You know, if you get there a few days before the tournament, they're kind of winding down. So we love getting there a little bit early. Weeks and, out. And weeks out and just seeing um, seeing the sweat, seeing the second session of the day when these guys have also lifted earlier at lunch. and. You know, it really is a grind. It really is embracing the grind and, and to see just the, the efforts as they unfold in real time is something really special. So and This is the third year that we're going to be doing the Rotor Worlds, right? And um, you guys are going to be uh, literally hitting the road this time because the first year uh, was, um, was, you know, 
kind of like a, a more of a local affair. But then last year we took it really international, right? You guys were in Norway and Ireland, myself and Will, we went to Brazil um, and you hit up uh, New York, you hit up, you know, East Coast, West Coast. So uh, what, what's the plan for this time around? Where are you guys going? Yeah, that first time, yeah, we, we, we kind of went to Dallas, North Carolina for Lucas Lepre, went to Phoenix. Um, it was kind of hitting the biggest camps. You know, we, we, didn't, we, we, didn't, we, we weren't quite sure how the show was going to unfold. You know, it was the first time we did it, and we said, well, let's go find the best guys that are, you know, not too expensive, not too far away, yep. and did that. And then the second year there, which was a, a, a great year for Road to Worlds, we, uh, you know, like you said, took it international, went, we had to go out and see the Vikings out in, in Norway and see what Dara was doing up in, in um in Ireland and down in Brazil with Marigali, you know, like that's Andro that yeah, the Brazil yeah. series was so cool, man. Yeah. Inside the very best gyms down there. Yeah, talking about um intensity before matches. Huh? GFT. Like doesn't get yeah. more intense than Marigali and, and low right before matches. Um, but yeah, so now this year this year making it uh, a little little bit more local, but we figured, man, the really it's um the biggest jujitsu gyms in the world, the the biggest teams, the biggest camps are pretty much right here or right there in california you know so we decided to uh, this time to rent a car and, and and drive all around california up and down the coast um sounds and, terrible <laughs> and, and and hit gyms. early summer yeah not bad yeah and, and hit some gyms along the way you know and uh, i think this is going to be um a, you know a perfect um another perfect road to worlds here because the mecca of jujitsu especially now in 2019 is in california and i think giving people a real behind the scenes a real kind of uh, tearing back the curtain of what the jujitsu is in, in california uh, up and down the coast there is going to be a, a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to me it. too man it's gonna be a great time you know in a perfect world it'd be a very linear trip where we start in san diego and go north but I've got a feeling we'll be kind of hopping around, going maybe up to LA one day and be back to San Diego. You know, athlete schedules are, you got to coordinate with them and sometimes it's difficult. So you'll be seeing us bounce around basically all around uh, Southern California and making our way up to Northern California where we really haven't spent that much time. It's going to be great to go up there and see some of the top teams. So yeah, that's interesting because, that. you know, when everybody thinks of jujitsu in California, people immediately think of, first of all, probably San Diego. But, you know, absolutely, as, of course, as well, Los Angeles and, you know, the surrounding cities, because L.A. was really a kind of I think where jujitsu took hold first. But San Diego is now like the hub, right? It's the best known place with all those top teams. But man, there is a lot of jujitsu in, in California, like in the, the entire state. So sounds kind of interesting. Like, where did the decision come to to, to explore like NorCal, for example? Why, why did you guys choose to do that this time? Well, you just have you have teams like basically Kyle Terra's team. You cannot ignore that. And I've always felt bad that we haven't been able to get up there because you have Hudson Mateus, Mikey Musumeci does his camps there, Kyle himself, you know. So, and that's just one gym up there. You have Ares and Cachenio and, and all these guys that are incredible athletes, but they're just not like a short drive away from the tournament. Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of kind of our trips are planned, right? So you really had to, to go out of our way and I'm excited that we get to do it. It's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Yeah, it's like you're talking about Kyle Terra's gym there. I've never been to CTA up there mm. in, in San Jose, so that's definitely you know on my bucket list of, of gyms in the in the U.S. to go to. And and it's it really is, especially in 2019 here right now. Their squad at CTA is huge. It's crazy, and, yeah, and like is. from from uh, like you said. Uh, Mikey Musameshi, Kayo, Yuri is there, Hudson Mateus, who I think we all think is going to have a, um, a big year, you know, this year, and, or is already having a big year, and guys, newcomers like Mason Fowler, who, right. who just won jump. the ADCC yeah, yeah. Trials, 
Um, Benji Silva is always a guy who's in there as well. And, um, you know, I, and I see Kyle coaching a lot of guys like Tomiyuki, I believe, is, is, is in there as well. Um, so, man, Kyle has just a huge squad. And so I'm excited to, to definitely check that one out as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely an interesting one. It's a, there aren't that many big gyms or big teams that we haven't had the the pleasure of visiting yet, right? Mm. I mean, like you know, I count myself really lucky to have stepped onto the mats that Leandro trains on on a daily basis. You know, I feel really privileged to have gone into Marcelo Garcia's academy in New York or or Henzo or Unity, and and you know, you guys have you've been really lucky because you've actually trained in a lot of these places as well, right? You've rolled it like. Atos, Ribeiro Jiu-Jitsu, Gracie Umaita. So, uh, but for a lot of people who maybe are wondering what it's like, you know, when you walk into one of these world-class gyms, what, what does it feel like? It feels like you're going to like a, a pro team. You know, um, if you're joining like the pro sessions ahead of Worlds, for example, that that's a very distinct vibe. If you go there earlier in the year on a on like a maybe in a night session, for example, it feels kind of I'm very familiar, but when you go to one of these pro sessions, that's a whole other deal, I think. So yeah. when all the hobbyists are at work, you like, you know, that, that sort of session, it's usually around 11, 12 o'clock or something like that, right? So uh, it's it's like doors are closed. It's work. It's, it's, it's they work, take a very right. professional approach. It's not fun. It's a grind, but it's also an amazing experience and a great way to improve your jiu-jitsu. Well, um, how does it differ then? How, how, how does it look, you know, compared well, to those evenings? I, I was getting there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very lucky. My, my parents live in Costa Mesa and it, it's like walking distance to AOJ. So whenever I, I visit my family, I'll, I'll be sure to drop in and visit the Mendes brothers and the, the squad there. And the morning session is like the one you got hit because that's when all those guys are, are training for competition. And it's it's structured around how to win matches. It's not just like improving your jujitsu, which is of course, you know, the, the overall goal, but it's for very everybody. much, you know, yeah. tournament <laughs> strategy. It, it's like, okay, how to pull guard effectively, how to counter a guard pull with a takedown. I remember that being a really interesting drill where you were trying to win, either win with a guard pull or win with like a counter takedown. Um, it, it's just like very much specific preparation. Like you do your game, you drill your way, but uh, it fits into an overall approach, but it's work and it's more reps. It's, it's less fun. You know, there's, that's how I can describe it best, I guess. Yeah, I remember. I remember um, Ben Askren talking a lot of crap about jujitsu uh, being like kind of like a, um, you know, a warm up. Methods yeah, stuff, a warm yeah. up, and all jujitsu classes being kind of like a warm up, and then a little bit of technique, and then rolling afterwards. And definitely the, the structure of like a competition class at all these places is a lot different than just that normal structure you see you know, in 99% of, of jujitsu gyms across the, the country. So it definitely is very catered to, um, to the athletes. You know, I remember at Lloyd Irvin's gym that we, when we went to last year, um, it was, they had half the room who, who was going to be drilling takedowns, their game was takedowns. And then you had half the room who was drilling, you know, guard poles or the double guard poles or, or Baron Bolos from, from double guard poles. So it was like very catered specifically to whatever your game is, you need to be working on, on your game, you know, and, and less time for, for learning new moves or, or learning, um, you know, new things and, and more about honing exactly what it is you're going to be doing on competition day. You need to have a plan. You need to be able to execute that plan and that's where they do it in the gym every day is, is working on executing those plans and it's, it's a very like regimented um class structure usually do you think that then the the ben's comments and and they got a lot of attention right mm -hmm. you know it really ruffled some feathers uh a lot of jujitsu guys were kind of offended actually by ben's comments and you know Ben's the kind of guy he certainly doesn't have a problem in putting his opinion out there but do you think that maybe his opinion 
wasn't necessarily as informed as it could have been was he talking about the hobbyists jujitsu classes as opposed to the like you guys have been describing the pro training yeah i mean i definitely think ben's wrong um <laughs> <laughs> no but no but, no but, hesitation <laughs> but i think like um you know like an everyday class structure for the hobbyist for the for the the non-athletic person or the or the person who's just getting into um martial arts or just getting into grappling like it's tough for for people sometimes to like you know just it's still be, tough for me yeah, right? yeah, right. yeah. but they don't have that in wrestling either well, right? yeah he's coming from a, a d1 wrestling yeah. background like those guys don't have intro classes yeah you know, they've been yeah. doing it for a no. long time so exactly. and yeah. you know people don't really pick up wrestling as an adult either right yeah. you don't you don't suddenly decide at 28 years of age that oh that looks cool yeah you know, there's but, not too many like wrestling gyms just popping up all over the, no. on the on the corners and things like that you know so so i think i think the training has been made more inclusive and in certain certain classes like the, like the intro class or the night classes even i mean you know let's be real like like a, a hobbyist like my, myself i just can't train the same way every day as a professional athlete those guys they rest more they eat better they lift you know they have time to do that stuff which is not easy it's it's a full-time full-time job, job in and, itself um, yeah incredibly taxing so it is different for them but I, I do think ben's right about certain aspects and then how you know it's not necessarily a bad thing like there's a reason it's just growing so fast and that it's inclusive and that everyone can do it if they really want to and there has to be some kind of um, bridge there mm. to make it available for people. But the well, guys at the highest level aren't training for worlds just with a little bit of a warm up, no, learn, no. learn some new technique, and then roll for forty five minutes. At, like that's not what they are doing, you know? No, absolutely not. But uh, if you guys I, have I, any other questions about how they're training, go back and look at the old Road to World stuff. You know, we've got two seasons of it, and um, there's a bunch of cool vlogs. We've been to, like you said, Norway, Ireland, the JT, the Atos, uh, everywhere. We've, we've visited so many cool places. Chase, you can... What's your favorite? What's your favorite um, one so far? <sighs> That's so tough to say. I love the New was York it, visit. You've been to so many. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that it was the time we hiked up Prekestuolan. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that has become a fond memory. Uh, Reed dragged me up a mountain. I didn't want to go in Norway. I just It was like the last day of the trip. We had to make it to the hotel before our, like 5 a.m. flight the next morning. I recommend that vlog because your face is just the, <laughs> the best face ever. It's the, it's the, I was so I'm mad. I doing this under protest. Yeah, it's weirdly deceiving too because it's like 10 p.m. at night and it's like and it's like full sun you know it's like it looks like wow. it looks like it's the middle of the day but it's yeah. like at 10 o'clock at night and we have to run down this mountain to beat the sun so we don't become permanent residents of petrostulin or whatever it's called <laughs> uh, i was i was so butthurt but you know we made it down and it ended up becoming a good memory and i didn't kill reed that night so <laughs> but then and then the other one the, the new york one that you mentioned too that one was a, a crazy day as well it was just a jam-packed trip so i'm thinking of like those two days we spent there basically we hit essential jt Torres' gym unity and uh, man it was just non-stop right like yeah. And and the Unity vlog is infamous for that crazy shower scene. And they've they've since moved to a new facility that uh, I hope to get into one day. And, and the showers are much further away from the mats. So <laughs> I don't know. And they have showers. I'm not sure how. They have more than one. I'm yeah, not sure what like... they're going to do this time around. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're far away. So. What about Man, you? Well, the Road to Worlds thing, I got to say, it sounds super exciting. And, you know, if there's anything that I can, I can ask, because, you know, you guys are going to be the ones hitting up these places, is that I just really want want to see as much of that cool training as possible because you know as a as a fan of jiu-jitsu as much as i love watching those matches i gotta say i love watching the training as much as anything and i'm sure that our viewers are definitely kind of you know are going to be looking for the same thing because you can learn so much from that right even just little things you see like the techniques that take place during that training it's amazing but moving on so chase and i we just got back from abu dhabi 
still jet lagged? Absolutely. I'm not. But I'm we're okay. here. I got I got in like 24 hours before you. I'm, I'm feeling okay now. But it was it was a rough. It was a, it was a, it's a hell of a trip. But I gotta say, as as tough a physically grueling, demanding trip it is, I love going to Abu Dhabi for the World Pro every year. Mm. I gotta say, it is an absolutely incredible tournament. It's huge. It gets bigger every year. I think that. Um, I think this year was was by far the, the in terms of like the production was the best one that they've ever done you know like the three days that it ran over the first day they had 11 mats running the second day they broke it down to just five mats and these were all huge like 10 by 10 meters like five huge mats in a row and then the last day just one huge elevated mat on a stage the whole the lights the, the the production it's just it's it's unlike anything else that we've really seen in jiu-jitsu and that's half the appeal because the other appeal of course is the fact that we get to see some really intriguing badass matches right and there were a number of standout incidents shall we call them this year at the world pro chase what's one of the ones that jumps out to you first of all Man, well, I, th I think the the biggest story, or, or at least upset, coming out of, out of Abu Dhabi was you know Levi Jones Leary getting submitted by the relatively unknown uh, Oliver Lovell, and his just Levi's second match, second round. You know, we have been touting Levi as a favorite of the 77 kilogram division, and um, he's for still a reason. favorite in my mind for Worlds. Yeah. You know, he's an incredible athlete with an amazing year behind him. And, a gold uh, medal at Euros and Pans. Right. Coming into first year at Black <laughs> Coming Belt. into World Pro, you were kind of, people were picking him as a favorite. And, Beating you know, a reigning world champion. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, he didn't have a, a great day, to be honest. His first match, he, he won because the other guy got DQ'd, so he's, he didn't really have a chance to show a whole lot in that. And then uh, he was submitted relatively quickly, so that kind of blew everyone's mind. Um, and that submission, I got to say, man, that submission really, it took everybody by surprise, mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, Oliver Lovell, uh, the word is, and it's no secret now, but the word is that he's got a pretty badass leg lock game, okay? <laughs> and, uh, he's got I, some good knee bars, I, huh? I, I, I think we could, I think yeah. we could all agree with that based on the evidence. But um, it came on like so quick and like a, a weird kind of like, you know, Oliver, he spun underneath and he kind of latched onto the leg. It was a really nice attack. And Levi was literally tapping before anybody realized that a leg lock was even on. Mm. And there was this moment where Oliver jumps up and everybody's like, wait, what, what, what just happened? <laughs> so it was like this moment of disbelief, right? People are like, did Levi just get injured or something? But no, it was a legit submission attack, right? Yeah, it's a great, it's just a great thing to be reminded of, you know, that, that you know, I think all of us, um, like I said, we have really been watching Levi and, and, and expecting him to do extremely well, but it just goes to show that, you know, any day, any, anybody can lose. And that's the, one of the, the best parts about jiu-jitsu, that it's just this never-ending Rubik's Cube. And, and if when, you know, you go left and the other guy goes right, there's, you know, th there's opportunity there. So. That's something Levi said himself, actually. I had, a, I had a chance to talk with him after that match. And, you know, a lot of athletes don't even want to talk to anyone after they lose. And Levi was very open about it. And said, he seemed actually in uh, uh, amazingly as you could be. He kind of seemed in good spirits at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's very just, you know, resolved that this is something that had happened and uh, he's going to move on with it. But he, t he reminded me that last year, the only match that he lost was also at World Pro in the final. And that it, it really spurred him on to train harder and to, and to get his mind right for Worlds. Uh, just a few weeks later so here we are again similar scenario wow so the entire the, the whole thing is playing itself out again mm -hmm. at black belt because at brown belt you leave i was european and pan champion at brown belt mm -hmm. last year lost at world pro came back to win worlds now what we're seeing now in his first year at black belt is the whole thing is literally paying out exactly <laughs> like it did last year but True. but 
winning worlds at black belt is a different question definitely to winning at Brown Bar, right? But so. it, 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 like you said, I, I, it definitely could probably end up being the, the best thing that, that happens to him this year, you know? Because like you said, it, it's something that, you know, or uh, like he said, you know, re refocused him or and realized that you're, you sometimes you got to remember, you know, that you're not invincible, right? It brings you back down to earth. Yeah. 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 And, you know, especially the year he's having and, and um, you know, I'm sure everybody is – is talking about how good he is and how how amazing he is and and sometimes you know maybe that can get to your head and, and it's like you said good to to be brought back down to earth a little bit i definitely recommend that uh, you guys check out the, both the interviews i did with levi and abu dhabi uh, really good insight into his mindset and stuff like that but he wasn't the only both before and after right exactly exactly right, and both right. of those conversations really were centered around mindset you know mm. and it was really cool to see how his mindset didn't change because it was challenged by a loss. You know, some people take losses really hard and immediately after losing, he was still very resolute in the way he was thinking. But, um, you know, he wasn't the only athlete that did anything exciting or had uh, interesting performances. Tommy Langacker was the other athlete that really stood out to me from that same division, 77 kilogram. Only non-Brazilian champion at this year's World Pro. Man, shout out to Tommy Langacker. Second yeah. ever Norwegian. Yeah, but, but this teammate. How cool is that? <laughs> Espen, his teammate, training partner, you know, like they're so close. Espen won the division last year, and then this year Tommy comes in and he boom does it again that's so cool I, it was just like so refreshing to see tommy I, I i he's one of my favorites to watch and to and to listen to he's just like the, such a confident guy i love the the viking spirit that like he brings you know like it's just a, it's a different mentality you know obviously levi has his own his own thing that i like about him too but there's just something about tommy that's just like um just so raw about yeah. him you know yeah. that like it was really refreshing in, in this in the world of jiu-jitsu I like it when you can really see an athlete commit to a like a game plan or or a s series of moves like a specialist. And Tommy is a specialist; he's a back take artist, and oh, uh, yeah. his game was successful all the way through the tournament. You know, he's doing that that key master kind of guard, the lapel guard that he plays, not lapel, sorry, collar sleeve kind of guard that he plays, as well as a sweet matrix back take that him and Espen are both very well known for. So to see him execute at the highest levels and to, and to just basically be a force to be reckoned with is, is so cool yeah he gotta say he really he did impress me i mean tommy is just uh he's got that kill or be killed mentality as well mm -hmm. it's actually very different to espen like espen is very um he's very uh, kind of a very systematic thinker he's very disciplined very focused um he does a lot of visualization uh he really studies he's, 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 he's a, a lot of studious study. exactly yeah now I'm, I'm not saying that tommy is not any of those things of course he's very disciplined of course he's very focused but when you look at the attitude of the two of them and it's very different it's like is espin is almost like the the clinic the clinical technician the one with surgical you know sort of like surgically precise technique whereas tommy is the kind of guy who goes out there and he's almost like the the slugger the berserker swinging the battle axe exactly yeah, yeah. he just goes out there and whatever happens happens but he'll find a way to win or he'll go down trying you know i i, I love watching him because it's really i mean we've seen it happen right sometimes he wins sometimes it doesn't work out his way but it's always entertaining so definitely yeah, looking forward to him one. being at worlds uh, yeah. another really big story from world pro that i was excited to see happen a uh, big match is is fion davies versus be a mosquito you know fion is another athlete that just had a, a roller coaster of a year incredible performances at europeans and pans been running through everyone and um she met legendary be a mosquito in the final and and no one really knew how that was going to go because fion had beaten some some standout names in her the past few months but. she's looked amazing since she got her black belt right she's won europeans and pans she's won a bunch of sub uh, a submission excuse me a bunch of super fights she won the london grand slam um and 
man, you'd have to say that she's probably one of the brightest prospects to enter the women's division, the black belt, in for as long as, you know, we can remember, probably two, three years. But, um, I, wow. I mean, it's interesting, though, isn't it, that Fionn herself, in a, you know, ahead of meeting Beatrice, that she said she calls her the lady goat, mm -hmm. you know? And she wasn't the only person to call her that that weekend, either. I was speaking to a few of them. And, and they were just like, we're, we're excited for Fionn because this is her chance to go up against the lady goat but we also recognize the fact that beer is the lady goat so who knows what could happen <laughs> it, it was a term that was getting thrown around a lot <laughs> yeah yeah beer is incredible and, and it really showed her experience came through she was actually down on points initially you know fion scored two points at the beginning of the match and looked to be in good position but you know six minutes can be a long time with someone like beer mesquite on the mat and she came back and, and really two in the end right? yeah yeah really ran yeah. ran shop so great great match from from both women and i'm looking forward to that maybe playing out again in the absolute divisions at, yeah uh, yeah Fionn's, Fionn's still very very young obviously this is their first year at black belt not even like six months in in at black even, belt yeah so um you know i'm sure that those those two will will meet a couple times probably He's, before it's all said and done and and i definitely i like Fionn to um see what she can come back with that should yeah. be a fun matchup to, to see how it plays out you're speaking about mindset as well about tommy and and, and levi but fion's actually been a, a really good case study for the mindset as well i i feel like every time i've spoken to her the last couple of times that i've i've managed to learn a little bit more about one of the things that's really been key to her success and it's just accepting the fact that she is capable of going head to head with you know these high level athletes in, in her divisions mm. that she's not only capable of going head to head but she's capable of beating them and it was maybe we even saw this like last year as, a, as when she was still a brown belt but there was this element that she was going in and it was, it was it was overwhelming her it was like oh my god i'm going up against these really tough athletes and it's like it was only when she she really had a good team around her telling her no fion you are able to do this you mm. are totally able of going out there and kick these girls asses that she's kind of like oh, oh okay and she's got out there she's done it and she's like and then it's like you know the 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 wheel keeps spinning the, the success keeps cutting and it's just oh okay yeah actually yeah i get some momentum behind me and yeah i beat this girl and i would beat that girl and uh, i guess that means i could potentially go and do this now and the one thing about fiona as well is she's been so active these last mm. months she's gone straight from Abu Dhabi last weekend She's in Sao Paulo this weekend to compete at Brazilian Nationals. Crazy. That's incredible. Yeah, I think she's she really is like one of the most um like present athletes that I've I've like um been around. I feel like, you know, she's like really always really in the moment. Um and she's like never really it feels like in to me, like she's like never really at least at this point she's not putting too much pressure on herself she's always cracking jokes she's she seems like she has a really funny personality and, and and she really retains that even when she's competing it feels like um so it feels to me like she's a very present athlete i'm always really impressed with with how well she's able to kind of just um you know joke around with, with dara moments before you know the pan am finals or, or something like that so i've always been impressed with with how fion carries herself you know in those big moments I, yeah, uh, you, you go on. Go on. I was gonna, I was gonna hop off the real quick and, and jump onto another athlete with with some mindset questions that raises more questions, I should say, than anything else. <laughs> you know, Herbert Santos made his return to competition at World Pro, and yeah. uh, man, it's kind of an interesting weekend for him. I would say he, he looked great in the, the opening matches. You know, actually, no, wait, he he lost to Kain in his second match, right? So actually, he. Uh, Herbert competed in the uh, country. No, no way. He, he didn't. No, he didn't compete. Right. He was That's what I was thinking. Rank. That's right. right. So, yeah, yeah exactly. he did. He go through. Yeah, no, you're correct. He lost his opening match. Second match? Second, second match. match. So, he won his opening. 
He won his opening match against Abdulrahman Bilirov of Russia. Yes. Now, interesting Tough story because Bilirov tapped out Urbuth with a heel hook about a year and a half ago mm. in a no-gi event. Yeah, I remember that. And, um, you know, Urbuth's not exactly known for his, for his no-gi leg lock game, right? So it wasn't that great of a surprise. But I thought it was really interesting because they met there in Abu Dhabi and Bilirov's a really, really, really tough guy. Like, I can't state that enough. He's Chechen, right? Those guys, you literally have <laughs> That's to... That's all you gotta say. <laughs> yeah, you have to chop off their heads to beat them. They are so, so tough. And he's actually a really, really good black belt, you know? So you put that together, it's a scary prospect. Urbeth knee-barred him, submission, in less than two minutes. And I was like, wow, okay, Urbeth's looking good. Now, he had a pretty tough it's weight crazy. cut you know dropped down to 94 kilos turned up it's not easy for him to drop that much weight you know he hasn't competed in that weight class for a while but he goes out and he looks great against Bilirov gets that early submission thinking oh yeah this is it the old Urbeth is back he's mm. on fire of course runs into the brick wall that is Kynan right and Kynan is just so solid so tough one everything uh, since he's got his black belts you know he's, he's really had a misstep in the entire time and uh, and he lost 2-0 so you know no great shame there kind of a, a, a tough close match, match yeah. close match yeah just one sweep was the only the only thing that decided it but things kind of went a little bit awry from there right Aria. it went a little bit Aria. <laughs> things went a little <laughs> the things went weird so how weird did they get chase I mean, he walked down to the mat um, on the rapid charge, and his pants were soaking wet. And everyone was very curious as to what exactly happened there. Maybe he had some some bowel movements that didn't go quite his way. But you know, thankfully, it seems that that wasn't the case. You know, that's a tough thing to come away from. But people are definitely giving him a hard time on the internet. But we did confirm. We talked to the other guy that um, Anton Mink Minkoff. Did I say his name? Uh, <laughs> Anton from Australia who faced Herbert. Uh, yeah, thank um, you, Chase. Yeah. Um, uh, was triangled or in Urber's triangle for quite a while and uh, confirmed that it in fact was was not P, which is good for everyone. <laughs> and uh, er, but later in that match, Urber's basically pulled side control and then tapped before any choke was on. So a little bit weird uh, antics there from Urber's. We've seen that kind of thing before where he gets down in the match and just basically submits right away or surrenders. Uh, come on, like what is he doing? It's a little what confusing, is he doing? right? Yeah. I'm Man, he just he just tapped. There was, there was barely any choke at all. There was nothing, and and he was kind of. I think he was winning the match, right? He was like, or at least it was a pretty even match. I mean, he, he, had, he, had, he had Anton in a deep triangle. Anton Minenko, by the way, uh, he had him in a really, really what like solid triangle, like a flying triangle, right off the bat. Had him locked on there for like a good minute and a half, two minutes, mm. and um, and yeah, as as we've seen it, unfortunately, in a number of matches, we saw it in the match against Tommy the triangle. We saw it against Adam Wodzinski when Adam got to mount. Herbert just looks for a way out. And there's money on the line. So he could still win some cash yeah. if he had taken third place. Third place, yeah, so, three grand. Um, it, it begs the question of, of, of why that is happening. And, and it's like you said, you saw the first match, and it looked like the old Herbert with yep. the killer instinct, with the, um, you know, the nasty knee bars, the nasty submissions, you know? Like, he is a killer. Like, make no mistake. So I just don't understand why he's why he's, why he's going out there well, and doing that stuff. We know that Urbus struggled with um, with his mindset, right? Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, you know, we were talking about Fionn and, and her great mindset, and comparing that with Tommy and, and Levi, their mindset, and like you could all put them on one end of the spectrum, and then about as far <laughs> as you could possibly go, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, 
and a little bit further around the corner down and about and somewhere down there is Urbus mindset right because he's either a stone cold killer or like just who can even describe it it's like the just a shadow of, of the person that we know or what he's capable of and he's been working with a psychologist right he actually right. posted a, a few times before he went out to abu dhabi uh, he's been working on a couple of uh, sessions with this guy and uh, when i interviewed him just after he weighed in uh, i asked him you know what do you think your biggest challenge is this weekend and he looked me dead in the eye as absolutely serious as you could possibly get an herb to be and that's a very serious thing and he just looked at me and he said the biggest challenge he said myself hmm. so he's aware of the fact that okay. his mindset is definitely an issue uh my question is is that man like how, how does that carry into the next events that he's competing at because he's up again this weekend in fight to win right Jason? i say we're gonna find out very shortly very he's a shortly. very tough you know, opponent one week later he's taking on gutenberg uh in in chicago here uh fight to win 111 and so gutenberg Pereira, of course fight to win champion mm -hmm. right very very experienced black belt from gf team that's uh that's maybe not the the kind of the dip back into the match. waters <laughs> either. no exactly no. right after a rough trip to abu dhabi but hey he's uh he's signing on the dotted line he's going to chicago you kind of have to think well okay. i'm definitely intrigued and excited you know it could be an absolutely incredible match you know gutenberg i i know is going to show up and, and fight his heart out he's an absolute killer and so whatever version of Herber shows up will will certainly be interesting one way or the other you know i'm hoping for a great back and forth match but who knows what we'll see <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean you never ever know with Urbeth, and I think that's one of the uh, one of the most intriguing things about him. You, people will have been commenting why are, why are, why is Urbeth even being invited there because of his his various antics and stuff. And it's like, well, hey guys, come on, like the guy's a competitor, you know. You still tune in and watch him, right? It's pretty obvious why he's being invited to events. He is a world class black belt, twenty seventeen world champion, right? It's it, it, he's one of the bad boys in the sport. But there are bad boys in every sport. And you, I, you know, bad fans boys in this can, room. Yeah, <laughs> fans, fans can hate on those, on those, you know, the bogeyman in every, in every sport, regardless of what it is. But we need them. We need the bad guys to be able to identify the good guys. You know, you got to have that internal battle between light and darkness right there on the mats. Well, I mean, as long as things don't get too out of hand, right? I mean, like, yes, I think Herbert has definitely done some 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 wrong things at events and stuff like that. But really, it's been no major harm, no major foul, I would say, as far as what I know. And um, yeah, let let Not for lack let, let the boys fight. Let the boys fight. I <laughs> let think. Them fight. And uh, it keeps the sport interesting. And at the end of the day, as long as no one's really getting hurt, then you know. There's one other guy yeah. from the Abdabi World Pro that's um, that's uh, lined up to compete at a, a, a future fight to win an event as well, and uh, that's Kainan Duarte. And I got to say, Kainan was probably the um, probably one of the biggest success stories out of the Abdabi World Pro, right? Because he fought his way through that 94 kilogram country qualifier, had to fight mm. his way into the main bracket because there's a limit on the number of people from the same country uh compete in the main bracket in abu dhabi it's a cap of two so you can only have two brazilians and urbeth is the highest ranked one went straight into the main bracket kainan had to fight in like a little mini tournament to qualify to go into that second main bracket and uh he had i think it was six or seven matches possibly over the space of three days and came away the winner as many people predicted him to do 
And this is obviously off the back of him winning Europeans, winning Pans, winning Nogi Worlds. He's at Brasileiros this weekend. He's got a fight to win super fight, a uh, fight to win 113 on May the 18th in Reno Just against Tanner Rice. Worlds. Yeah, Literally, yeah. yeah. Like 10 days out from Worlds, he's got a, a super fight lined up against very, very tough Tanner Rice. And then he's going to go to Worlds. You know, man. Kynan is just setting the bar higher and higher every single time. We mentioned it before. Could he possibly have the best first year black belt career that we've ever seen? The answer is very possibly. But he keeps setting that bar higher and higher. That It may not be possible for anybody to come and to replicate what he has managed to do since getting his black belt. Yeah, you got to say he's the story of 2019. Um, it's, like you said, unfathomable to, to really when you put it all together, what he's done as a first year black belt, yeah. I, you know, he looks untouchable. He looks so solid, so calm. You know, he's not, he's not surprised by any of this. It's, it's like all part of the plan, which is incredible to watch. Yeah. I hope people really can, can understand like how impressive the things that kind are doing right now really are. Um, and just, this is a guy like, I don't know, like 15 months ago, he was a purple belt or something like that, you know? Like, <laughs> like this is this is crazy. Like, and, and he's going out there. A little there. bit longer, but yeah, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, somewhere, somewhere, two years, somewhere around there, like, he was not um, a purple belt not that long ago. Um, wrecking people at purple belt and then went on to wreck people at, at brown belt, and, and now he's he's coming into his own as a, an elite black belt. You know, I think he's still just 21 years old, right? He's, he's 21, 22? Or... Ah, he's, he's early 20s. Yeah, exactly. I think he's 21. I, I think uh, 21. So he yeah. might be 22 now, but I, I mean, it's but just, still. it is, is insanely impressive. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just um, another shout out to um to what Atos is, is doing over there too. I think, you know, that he's got a, a good team behind him and, and a good mentor and, and leader in, in Andre. And I think that that type of stuff, you know, is showing through, through Kynan. Got an interesting comment that came in on our live chat on the YouTube channel. Um, somebody asking that you think the days of five-time world champions are coming to an end because it seems like there's a new star coming up every year, mm. more or less. And I would say that actually, yeah, there are a lot of new stars coming into the sport. And these guys yeah. are, you know, there's a there's changing of the guard. There's always like a, a new generation. Um, you know, some guys drop off and the other guys replace that. But man, you'd have to think that somebody like Kynan has the potential to be a five-time world champion. You know, I spoke to Talison Suarez, mm. who's brown belt right now and, you know, incredibly successful as at pretty much every belt level, right? We've been following him since he was a juvenile blue belt and poised to get his black belt, pretty much guaranteed to get his black belt at Worlds this year. He's won everything else. Why not? He'll win this too. And it makes you think that, Again, 19, 20 years old, this kid get his black belt, he could potentially go on to be, who knows, 10 times world champion like Bruno Malfasini, you know? So I do think that they are out there, right? But he would have to face Mikey Musumeci to do so. And Mikey Musumeci could be on track for his third world title as he's already signed up for Worlds this year. And that's a match I'm dying to see. I think that would be one of the most intriguing battles. Oh man, battles. 2020 Worlds is going to be great. Yeah, uh, all the time. <laughs> Mikey could be a three-time by then. You, you know, but back to that comment from YouTube, that, that's an interesting idea because, you know, we saw Nicholas Marigali become a world champion. He looked unstoppable. You know, mm. he, he, had, he had beat Leandro and, and claimed the title and all that. And then he was not able to replicate the same success the next year. So it's... It's an interesting question. I, th I think uh, I'm definitely curious to see who comes out on top in yeah, a few it's, weeks. It's a great question. Um, I, I do think that I, um, I think that 
you know, might be shortchanging some of the the um, the athletes of, of um, yesteryear a little bit too. That because it's not like there haven't been like uh, big black belt divisions these last five years, last ten years. You know, I, I, it's just come to mind a guy like Rafael Lovato Jr. who who, who won it um, in two thousand and seven and went back. 10 years in a row and was never able to, to find that second um, gold medal at the world championship just because, you know, it's extremely difficult to win a gold medal at, at, a, at the uh, world championships. So it still hasn't won his. True, true. So I, so I think that, you know, rather than we're not going to see it anymore, because I think we still will be able to, to see it. It's just it, it's going to be reserved for those next level athletes. And it just goes to show you what type of uh, an athlete, uh, a Lucas Lepre, a uh, Andre Galvao, a Marcus Shasha really is because like for, for those guys to be able to float to the top year after year after year um, over generations over generations yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's just one of the most impressive things in sports i think and um yeah and maybe it will get a little harder um over the years as just as just more and more and more people um come out there but i i think it's it's still possible definitely for a guy like like you said these you know a guy like a talison suarez a guy like um, Roberto Jimenez even, you know, and, and a Mikey Musumeshi already, you know, we think of him as the new generation of the sport and, and he's already going for his third title. Um, so I, I think, I don't think it will, will fade away, but maybe, maybe just a little less rare mm. or a little more, yeah. more rare. I mean, it's a good point. I, you'd have to, you'd have to think that there are definitely people coming along who are capable of winning those multiple world titles. Like we've seen some of the greats do, but I, I, I kind of. I do agree with you, Reed. That I think that the, the challenge people may, maybe underestimate exactly how difficult it is to do that, and then you know it makes it makes you realize just how special people are, like Hafa Mendes, like Lucas Lepre, like Bouchesha, like there's so many of Green, them. Yeah, to, yeah. to go out and to win multiple world titles year after year after year, it really it can't you can't speak highly enough of their achievements. It is that tough, but um, just. Jumping back on the worlds thing very quickly, let's do a little pop quiz. Uh -oh. Any guys from last I'm year? Good at those. Any guys from last year? Not trivia. Just to, just to, just your opinions. Any guys from last year, world champions, guys or girls, that you think are a strong chance to come back and will win gold again this year? Oh, I'm going to take the easy one here, Fushesha. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I mean, no, no disrespect to anyone else in his his divisions, but no, there's a big question mark yeah. over that, right? It is interesting because obviously Bushesha, 11 time, you know, absolute monster, legend in the sport, but, but, is this the year that Joao Gabriel finally gets that world gold that's medal? A, that's a great point. That's a it's great a huge, point. great. It's a huge question because Bushesha, of course, lost to Joao Gabriel earlier this year in the super fight in in Brazil. Uh, last year, the world's final went down to a razor thin split decision that went in favor of Bouchesha. Now, if there's anybody at all who is able to unseat Bouchesha, it pretty much can only be Joao Gabriel. In the gi, yeah. In the gi. But that he's tried. He's tried so many times and he hasn't quite been able to do it. Is this the year that Joao Gabriel finally has his moment? Could be. Joao's had be. an incredible year, uh, like as you mentioned. But you're picking Bouchesha because you already I, said I am it. picking Bouchesha. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to beat that guy. I think you his know, titles uh, make that clear. You know what I think may, maybe could come into play? Who, who knows? You know, I think we all think the world of, of Bouchesha, but um, you, you know what's really good motivation to win a world championship is 
breaking records, you know, yeah. to go going in there and, and breaking the record of of ten time world champion, you know, it, that's well, he's that's, breaking his own. That's big. Well, he <laughs> so he's not so he doesn't have that motivation anymore. Like he, right. ha he had that motivation last year. I'm gonna go in there and and become this record holder, become 11, 12 time world champion, nope, and be in my be in this class of my own. That's great motivation. Yeah. In, in, a, in a grueling six eight week training camp, that's great motivation. And now coming into 2019 he doesn't have that that quite that same motivation you know now he, like Good you point. said he's breaking his own records he's just kind of further solidifying himself as one, as the greatest of all time um so i, I just wonder if, if that um lack of motivation may come into play a, as well I, you know i obviously don't know what's in his mind but but you didn't answer the question returning champions who do you think could do it man returning champions are just the, i guess the one that popped in my, my head first i think is um is jameel jameel hill you think he'll do it again taylor um just because i remember he was devastated at pans mm. in 2018 and he, he came back you know like we talked about with levi maybe that pans loss being the best thing that that happened to him you know made sure that he made the adjustments one and uh, this year at pans he lost in even more devastating fashion. Oh, he was furious. He was mm. devastated. Yeah. And so I, I am um, knowing a little bit about Jamil and, and getting to know him a, a little bit. I think I, I know how, how fierce of a competitor he is, and I don't think he'll make that same mistake twice. So. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a uh, two solid picks. Um, uh, I, I think that Michael Musumeci, of course, is a, is, a, a, is a really solid bet. And that would just be incredible if he was to become the first ever three-time world champion to hail from America. That, that is in itself, a, 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 not even, that's again, that's not, that's not breaking a record, that's setting a new record. Yeah, like, that's so and then and then there's the other record too because I believe right now he's signed up in the rooster weight rooster. division. So not yeah. only would he be the only he's right now is the only two-time American world champion, but then he would become the only three-time American world champion and the only American jiu-jitsu world champion to win different, different weight divisions. class different yeah. weight classes. Because his last two were at light feather, right? Mm -hmm. so. so he's he's going. I believe right now he's signed up as as at rooster. I believe in there. Yes. Yeah, um, so yeah, like you said, last couple of years he's been doing light feather. Now he's switching to to rooster. So uh, a very very interesting storyline to uh, to to keep your thumb on. I um there's a there's a good question came in here actually uh, oh sorry good a good comment in from John Lau on our uh, again on our YouTube and this is a good one because uh, he's saying that he thinks that Isaac Bayens will be yes. tough to beat Absolutely. and um, definitely has the strategy to beat Tommy a second time round because that was 100%. a pretty wild final and they've met uh, they met again at the European Championship mm -hmm. finals and of course man Isaac is just Worlds, such yeah. a great competitor right and he's he's just really really good at always finding a way to win so uh i i, I like that one john i like that uh, suggestion a lot for for john to come back uh, sorry for isaac to come back and to win his yeah. second gold medal in a year um hulk is is also a name that jumps out to me hulk True. is hulk is i think it's easier maybe to pick some of the returning world champions in the women's divisions i uh i i, I think that there are some real standouts in that one i think nachi ali is a is a lock um, could potentially take double gold this year, actually, because um, well, it depends if Gabby Garcia shows up or mm -hmm. not, uh, because she said that she's going to. But 
as of now, Tiani Porfirio has not signed up for uh, Worlds. Now, Tiani has, you know, had a distinct advantage over Nacieli in the last couple of years. She's beat her twice in the World Championship Absolute Final. Um, you know, it, it, we'll wait and see what happens. But the Absolute Final in, in Pans, it was Gabby versus Nacieli. And, of course, Gabby won that. And I remember we talked to her afterwards a little bit. And it mm. seemed like it seemed like Nacieli wanted, wanted to do that one again. He wants to do over. Yeah, yeah, she wanted to do that again. So yeah. that, that was cool. Very, very, yeah. I can see Bia Mesquita taking it again, mm -hmm. but Luisa Montero has always been, you know, they're, they're neck and neck with one another, always. So Right there. I can see right Luisa there. maybe doing it this year. You never know. She's had a great year as well. Yeah. I think one guy actually that people sleep on because, um, you know, he closes out so much with, with Hulk, um, they underestimate him, is, is Gustavo, Gustavo Batista mm -hmm. as well. Because, um, you know, he shares the gold with, with Hulk in so many tournaments, right? Yeah, they yeah. close out the tournaments and, you know, they switch between them. And last year it was Hulk who took the gold in the medium heavy. Um, I see them closing out again this year at medium heavy, but I think this time that it should be Gustavo who gets the gold if that does happen. Because, of course, he won the absolute division at Europeans, beating Lucas Lepre. You know, they closed out again at Pans, just, uh, just passed. And, um, yeah, he's just, uh, he's just an absolutely fantastic competitor. And another one who's coming up on um this weekend may 4th he's fighting on fight to win 111 he's going to be going up against the very tough mateus denise and great match. that's a great match and gustavo of course just competed in his first fight to win a couple of weeks ago against Orlando montero seems to have adapted pretty well to the submission only rule set and mm. i love the way that these guys are staying busy because we're starting to see some really big names being very active on the fight to win circuit now Mateus Denise he's got a match this weekend against Gustavo Batista and he's got another match the following weekend against Gabriel Arges in oh, wow. uh, in Fresno that's uh, that's incredible right yeah Luisa Montero is also on this weekend's card against Kaká oh actually she's uh she's pulled out with injury I believe oh it's uh she's been replaced by uh Kristen Mickelson okay okay there, there we have that mm -hmm. breaking news breaking <laughs> news yeah but uh man we should actually just mention quickly that fight to win the may event schedule mm. they have got an event every weekend up until right before worlds and there's some great events fight to win 111 in chicago may 4th that's this weekend urban santos versus gutenberg pereira of course we talked about that katrina perrette versus kristen mickelson for the female black belt bantamweight title gustavo batista braguinha up against Mateus denise and we've also got Matt Layton versus Devonte Johnson in a, a very interesting black belt gi super fight. Uh, standout thought, or thought to jump out from from that particular card right there. I mean, got to be Herbert versus Gutenberg, right? That yeah. that's the match that's on everyone's mind. I'm really looking forward to, to that one. Uh, Herbert and submission only is, is like an interesting <laughs> idea because maybe that <coughs> maybe that lets him loosen up a little bit. He's not worried about points. He can just go out there and do whatever the hell he wants. I'm curious to see how he adjusts his game. Do you think the fight to win stage will be able to contain <laughs> Gutenberg Pereira and Herbert Santos? Seth better be up there for that one. Push in the back yeah. in the middle. Uh, fight to win 112, May 10th in Fresno. Main event, Gabriel Arches versus Matthias Denise. Fantastic match. We also got a very interesting rematch, Hudson Mateus up against Gabriel Almeida. Now, of course, that is a replay of the European black belt final, the middle medium heavyweight final we had there in Portugal in January, where Hudson won by absolutely savage armbar. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oof, that was a killer. Edwin Najmi back in action. Not seen Edwin for a while, uh, in the gi at least. Uh, oh, actually, no, excuse me. I eat my words. It's a no-gi match. It's a no-gi match. So we actually know... Uh, 
Edwin looking to erase the taste of defeat from his mouth <laughs> after uh, losing to Dante Leon there at Kasai getting straight back on it got a Nogi super fight against Dom Hoskins that'll be a very interesting one and we're actually seeing Sarah McMahon as well uh, repping Team Alpha Male Sarah McMahon of course a well-known MMA fighter uh, Olympic silver medalist great wrestler going up against Vanessa Ritz from Camarillo Jiu-Jitsu so the uh, the NorCal uh, scene getting treated to a, a pretty solid show right there. Fight to Win always is uh, amazing shows up that way. A lot, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, and especially lately, man, Fight to Win's just been slaying it. So I'm looking forward to Hudson Almeida. I mean, that just goes to show that the mm. quality of matches that, that Fight to Win's been booking. You know, that's not even the main event, and that's that's a <laughs> Europeans uh, Championship final. So that could easily be a main event. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And then fight to win 113 may 18th the last one in may right before the world championships got a main event reno and it's going to be tanner rice up against kainan duarte in a, a gi match i uh i like that match mm -hmm. i think that's a really intriguing match what do you guys think of course yeah t um kainan versus tanner that's what mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. of course i mean you know anytime kainan's out there these days i think it's must see tv and and uh, tanner's huge these days he looks he looks like a big dude out there so it'll be a fun test for for kainan of course tanner much more established veteran black belt uh, been around the scene crafty as well right been around the scene quite a bit has also a, has some fight to win experience under fight his to belt. Win experience, a great yeah. guard you know known known as a, a great guard player so it'll be very interesting to see um, if kainan can can pass and and uh, work his his magic yeah the physical challenge alone of going up against somebody of tanner's stature because he's so long and so tall mm. uh really really you know a, a puzzling kind of uh, guy to go up against but he's got some great sweeps as well you know he has some amazing sweeps um especially with that using the the, the collar grip along with the pant grip i love yeah, the way he that. comes up off that, Angelus so. does that too yeah well actually i think kynan's probably in a good position to defend against it because <laughs> so many of his teammates yeah, yeah, do yeah. the same thing yeah, right true. so um man and what another thing about kynan there is that in september he's gonna he got invited to adcc too mm -hmm. which is you know he won he um won the trials back in 2017 right mm -hmm. or 2016 whatever it was um 17 17 and then he um so now he got invited this time, but he's in the over 99 division with guys like he's a Or growing boy. Orlando Sanchez, <laughs> yeah. Marcus uh, Bouchesha there, um, you know, just uh, Nick Rodriguez, a whole slew of cyborg is in there. That over 99 division it's is insane, insane yeah. division. Like that one is like probably I'm most looking forward to that one so yeah. far. I, I really I do. I do like the that prospect of seeing Kainan go up against those guys yeah. but of course it's the teammate thing why they have to do that right because Hulk is in and and then you got other guys from Atos in and stuff kind of yeah, a little bit of a log jam yeah, for Atos in, in ADCC at the moment and then the last um, uh, super fight I wanted to mention on that fight to win 113 in Reno on May 18th very cool flyweight women's title Amanda Montero of GF team up against Karen Antunes of Checkmat awesome Man. match just such scrappers mm. right i i love watching karen antunes compete she's a, a a really really great competitor with like just a a real fire uh but man amanda montero she will give back as good as you get mm -hmm. right so I, I i really intrigued to see how that match goes because i can just be yeah i can see that being a battle of wills as much as anything right one thing i really love about karen's game is, is she is a true submission hunter she, oh, i yeah. think she wins probably some of the most matches in some of the women's brackets by submission so she, she'll uh she's i believe it's her second match on fight to win and she's a current uh title holder and she's adapted her game quite well to, to the rules required uh at fight to win so i'm looking forward to that match 
yeah stack couple of weeks to fight to win coming up on flow grappling of course you'll be able to watch all of those events live or on demand every match is archived and put up into the flow grappling video library and uh man, i always have fun every monday morning you know if i didn't catch the event live i always fire them up and i always go back and i see the results and i'm like oh i gotta check this one i love being mm -hmm. able to do that so man i think that should uh wrap up this week's nice hour-long podcast right around there well we'll see you in a couple of weeks i guess right the um the fans we'll be of around course, the, the viewers <laughs> watchers will be able to uh, yes, follow along your exploits as you guys bounce around california hitting up gyms anywhere in particular that you're excited to visit you want to get gonna hit the mats anywhere i'm gonna i'm bringing three geese so i'm definitely ready Ooh. to train keep an eye out for for reed and i uh, we're starting in San Diego. We haven't exactly figured out where we're going first, but you can probably guess some of the, the big big names we'll be visiting. And uh, keep, like I said, keep an eye out for us. We'll be hanging around. Awesome. Well, guys, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. It'll be after Worlds now. Follow along all the action in the lead up to the IBB, IBJJF 2019 World Championships here on Flow Grappling. Going to have a ton of amazing vlogs, interviews, training reports from inside all those gyms that they're going to hit up in California. And of course, it's all going to culminate right there with our live stream of the World Championships at the end of the month. It's going to be wild. We'll see you guys next time.